Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 26th of November 2014. And joining me on this edition are news editor Mark Hodgkinson. Great Scott. Games editor Mark Botwright. My density has brought me to you. And audio reviewer Ed Selly. So you're my Uncle Joey. Better get used to these bars, kid. Coming back, but he's promised not to say anything this week, is uh, assistant editor Steve Withers. You built a time machine out of a DeLorean? And we're back yet again at last podcast in November. Uh, and it's getting closer and closer and closer to the, the best time of the year for me anyway once we get Christmas and New Year out of the way and that's CES coming uh, thick and fast Steve and we haven't heard anything from anybody so this time around not really sure what we're going to see yeah I don't know if that's good or bad whether that means they're just hot, you know, holding back some really cool stuff for us to see in January or they've got sod all to show us I've never known the last couple of months really since IFA been so quiet in terms of av news it's just nothing going on puff and tumbleweeds going past us so um could be good could be bad don't know a bit worrying really i'm worried what about you i don't think it'd be bad i just think it'd be more of the same i don't think they're gonna have anything on the video side mark anyway. that's bad if you're stuck out in vegas looking yeah, at the yeah, same crap for the fourth year in a trot sod you <laughs> yeah he doesn't have to go does he mark yeah. no, i can watch it for the comfort of my own home <laughs> yeah i can't see there be anything startling this year what, what have they got what have they got no. <laughs> Well, I suppose it's food, isn't it? More OLED? Mm. I've got yeah. one of those downstairs in the lounge right now. Yeah. Four K projection. Got one of those downstairs now. Well, Fair what, screens have done that. <laughs> a bunch of ungrateful bastards. <laughs> it really are. It just shows you how how quickly you can get jaded, doesn't it, Ed? Well, you know, it's it, there's only so, I, I I sort of agree with you. There's only so many times you can sort of see the same thing on a slightly different stand. Um, but I don't know. My counter to this would be you're in Las Vegas. Just give us a Hunter S. Thompson style biopic of what you get up to out there. And obviously with Phil, you know, not partaking. Yeah, I'll, I'll be so happy to do that. Phil will have to hold the camera whilst Withers, you know, goes for it. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that you'll get some material of some description. Probably not suitable for children, but you know, maybe something useful. Yeah, you know, Ed, this is probably I'll, I'll lose count now. Is this eighth year? I've been ninth year. It's yeah, it's somewhere around there, um, in a row, and uh, you could have this anywhere on on the planet, to be honest, and uh, you wouldn't know you were anywhere. Uh, particularly nice because you spend eight hours in inside a big convention center, and then another eight hours in a hotel room. But I think do. this is yeah. This is the, I think we're, what we're what we're touching on here is a difference in work ethic. Yeah. Spe- I, I would spend eight hours in the conventions because I was compelled to, and then I'd spend a small amount of time in my hotel room washing convention center Ming off myself, and then I'd be experiencing what everyone else experiences at Las Vegas. Simple as that. You know, I know you'd be saying, "Oh, I've got stuff to edit and upload and the rest of it." I'd I'd just draw some pictures, fax them over. Hodge can work it out, you know, put it in by the medium of creative dance or something. <laughs> yeah. Jobs are so, good. It's just like, just say, there's lots more televisions. They're all great. We're off to, we're off to, we're off to Glitter Gulch. So oh, there, there, is, there is a reason why Ed isn't going to Vegas. Yes. Right. Shall we do some podcasting? Um, first, Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer. Um, Rumoured to be out this Friday, Steve, but US only. Yeah, US only, uh, and it looks like exclusively in IMAX screens, which is interesting. So I guess... Um, I mean, I'm not surprised. There's been rumours going around for the last week that there was going to be a trailer. I'm assuming it will be predominantly actual footage on sets of the actors because I guess they haven't done many of the effects yet since the film doesn't come out for another year. But I give everyone a chance to see Harrison Ford as Han Solo again, and I think that would get everyone even more excited than they already are about the concept of another Star Wars film. Um, so hopefully, 
for the rest of us who can't go to an IMAX cinema in the States, um, we'll get to see the trailer online fairly soon as well. Well, you'd hope. Uh, another big trailer for another big movie, uh, Jurassic World uh, trailer due in the next couple of days, probably when this podcast goes up. They're all on Thanksgiving, isn't it, coming out? Is it? Or was it Wednesday for that one? It might be Wednesday for that I one. I thought actually. Thursday was Thanksgiving, is it not? Or is it Friday? Yes, Thursday. It's Thursday, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. a Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, we were discussing this um, before we came out of the podcast. I'm looking forward to it. I, I quite like the fact that there's going to be another Jurassic Park movie, but you seem to be a bit jaded, Steve. Well, I just, you know... <laughs> First one was great. Second one, okay, a bit darker, but not too bad. Third one was actually, I saw it last week, in fact, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's fun, but it's you know, it's not a great film. Do we know I anything think, about the cast? Yeah, Chris Pratt's in it and Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. Chris Pratt is the guy that was the lead oh, in I know, Guardians I know, of the it's Galaxy. Case of, but I think what made the first two, if nothing else, quite pleasant was um, people who aren't necessarily your immediate go-tos. I mean, I know Jeff Goldblum has been in two enormous films, and obviously in Independence Day as well as the first two Jurassic Parks, but he never comes across as your absolute stereotypical blockbuster kind of person. And there was like Pete Postlethwaite pottering around in the background of the second one as well. Things like that. It, it, that that kind of what... You, you, you need a, a healthy slice of character actors well, he's to make these things work. Anymore. What's that, sorry? No, I know it's Pete Postlethwaite's going to be a big, a big ask for the next one. You know, on account of being dead. As is, as is John Hammond. Couldn't yeah. they just bring them back like the dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> that really depends if they were bitten by an insect that then got preserved in amber, Mark. Didn't you, didn't you watch the first one? I don't know. Maybe they've got a little bit, you know, just Pete Postlethwaite's little finger on the end of a cane or something. <laughs> all, they need, all they need is a single uh, cell, complete cell, that's all. I know well, yeah, because yeah, you, you, you were watching the thing with the woolly mammoth last yeah, night. Yeah, I was yeah. last night, yeah. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Mix it up with some frog DNA f- for the lols, and then <laughs> and you're good. Postlethwaite Park is go. <laughs> I think I might go and see that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine getting the sign-off from his surviving relatives? Yeah, you know. All right, see how it goes. That's what he would have wanted. <laughs> I'm just wondering if he'd do the accent that he did in The Usual Suspects. <laughs> well, the Indian one. That, that was questionable. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like that really weird bloke in Eon Flux. It would have to be one of those as well. Everyone else is trying to remember Eon Flux now, aren't they? I watched it the other day because I was really bored. <laughs> I think everyone's just imagining what, what you know, dead actor world would look like. <laughs> what, you're, you're suggesting instead of going just long on one actor, you just reanimate as many of yeah. them as you possibly can? A bit like Madame Tussauds, I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah. In fact, that would be closer to Westworld, wouldn't it? (laughs) You can't win them in a competition. (laughs) Right. Um, So anyway, latest competitions. You brought it up, Mark. On you go. I knew I was letting myself in for that. Uh, A a collection of horror movies on Blu-ray. Universal Monsters, the essential collection. uh, And it's got several films. I'm just finding out how many. One, two, three. They're absolutely classics. Eight. Eight movies. Well worth Um, it. All pre-1954, going back to 1931. Um, not my thing, really, but there you go. And I'll tell you what, Mark, some of the best films you'll ever see in that box set. Creature uh, from the Black Lagoon is is, is ace. Original By Dracula. Which I mean, it's, yeah. it's dreadful, but it's so dreadful, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. And the bloke nearly died in the suit as well. Uh, and they just kept the, kept it rolling because they thought it looked quite good. Those were the days. For his art. Yeah. You, you've got this box set, Steve, haven't you? I, I seem to remember we all bought it about the same time. I think it was about 40 quid. Steve? Sorry, 
I, I wasn't listening to what anyone was saying. <laughs> do you own the Universal Monsters box set? I do. And we were just saying what a great box set it is. It is a brilliant box set. It's got all the classic uh, Universal Monster movies from the Never. 30s and 40s. Never. Has it? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, uh, really? Thanks, Dave. Does it come in a box set as well? <laughs> yeah, eight of them. It does include the 3D version of um, Creature in the Black Lagoon, which isn't technically one of the classic 40s um, monster films, but uh, it's I nice to have. Eight. Yeah, it's great. No, it's good to have. It's good to have. I heard someone told me something about the chap in the suit the other day as well. <laughs> well, he it wasn't a real monster. Oh, no. The, um, the only, I mean, as I say, I think it, it's still the same studio that did it although i can't remember if it was released on a different lave a different under a different company the only one it's missing that is truly magnificent is 20 million miles to earth which is fantastic for people with harry housen monster in it i believe i think it's sub sub harry housen no it's the creature from venus it's got many bits on it i don't know if it's spoilers count in the film from the 50s that you know (laughs) was shot on a budget of 8p is 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 it in this box set that we're giving away I'm afraid it's no. not. No, I right. say that's literally the only thing I could say that's missing from this. Is so this one's got Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein? Yes, Dracula, it is. Yeah, Dra- Dracula, the Spanish version of Dracula as well, which is yeah, yeah, the Invisible Man, um, uh, Phantom of the Opera, Creature for the Bat Lagoon, um, Wolfman. Yes, the Wolfman. I said that. Did he? Yeah. So all of them basically. It's great. It's a really and those extras and commentaries and documentaries. It's a really really good set and and definitely worth winning if and, you like. Uh, and think, the restorations are really good too. Yeah, I was just going to say the restoration side of things really jaw dropping. Actually, yeah. I mean, consider that uh, how old is uh, Dracula? Like, was that 1930? 1931. 1931. Oh, <laughs> so there you go. So the week after your on, birthday. on for a hundred years ago. <laughs> Give or take a decade or so. Yeah, I know, but I was <laughs> yeah, he, on. he was only a banker. <laughs> Leave him to it. <laughs> Exaggeration is our uh, strong point. <laughs> yeah. Right, and uh, what else is there to win, Mark? Turtle Beach, Call of Duty, Black Ops 2, Air Force, Limited Edition Earbuds. And you're powerful, not, not reading that at all, are you? No, it's a long, it's a, yeah, that's a long title, isn't it? Uh, yeah, they're earbuds used for gaming. Stick them in your ears and off you go. And that competition closes soon, 30th of November, so you'd have to be quick. Is there anything that makes them specifically Call of Duty? I mean, are they incredibly highly trained and potentially liable to post-traumatic stress in later There's years? There's some branding on the front. Does it even come with the game or anything like that? No, that's Great. it. Anyway, competition's done. Well, there will be another competition soon, which actually will be worth winning, which will be uh, a copy of Theodore Rex on DVD. Oh, We're giving you, it away. You, you're going to sign it. I, I don't want to keep it. it. Let's put it that way. I, I think you should sign it. With sign from Steve I, will, I will sign it. And you have a, I don't know, we'll think of a, a competition for it. Like, so, if someone can come up with a reason why I don't burn it, then uh, they can have it. Good why why would you why would you burn really, the best really movie that's ever been made on the history the very, of movies? The very reason that its existence annoys Whoopi Goldberg would be reason not to burn. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, it has I have ordered it, but it hasn't arrived yet. But when it does, I will watch it. Unfortunately, <laughs> whoever then, sold uh, it is, is probably having difficulty passing with passing with it. So you know, well, they do seem to be quite rare. <laughs> it wasn't easy yes. to get hold of. Yeah, sticking it, it's sticking probably in one, because of like one of those Blue Peter time capsules or something. 
I think Future it's because generations. so that another generation may yeah. learn of our cruelest mistake. Yeah. Like a Planet of the Apes type thing. There's just you a note saying this was you the greatest film suit. ever made. Well, this is the thing about. I always thought about this when I back when I was doing you know Greek plays and stuff at A level. You know, it's like these are the only ones that survived. And you're going, how do you not know that this was the, the these weren't the daily sport of Greek theatre? You know, Greek theatre. These things might have been an absolute joke. And now we revere them because they're the only ones that are left. The idea You're of that saying being in a thousand years, then Theodore Rex will be considered a masterpiece of 20th century cinema. <laughs> if it's the only thing that survives from 20th century cinema, what else do you have to compare it against? Mm. That's my point. You see, it's just a case of whether we venerate classics because they're actually classic, or just because they're the bits that survived. It's got a bit deep now. I hope it comes soon because I wanted to watch it on a OLED TV just to really sort of <laughs> just or a, or a 4K it. projector. Yeah, the full, I'll do it as well. I'll do it on the 4K projector. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's a 4x3 uh, transfer. Yeah. Are yeah. you going to be able to uh, try and do uh, simulated Atmos with it as well? <laughs> <laughs> do the amps send information to the top? Yeah, to, can to... they take a crappy Dolby Digital surround sound track and turn it into something <laughs> completely different? Can they take the entire film and make it better? Probably not. I wait with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> Before we finish on competitions, uh, interesting one running in the computer section. If you like spending other people's money, yeah, it's not so much a competition as a good cause. Even this is uh, run by Western Digital and it's open to forum members to design their ultimate desktop machine. So uh, you could, there's no limits. Apparently, you can choose what you want. With plenty of RAM, nice monitor, speakers, the lot. Uh, it must include some Western Digital uh, bits, obviously. So uh, a WD green drive and an SSD boot drive of your choosing. But after that, you're free to build it up as you want. And the winning machine gets given away to um, an educational um, establishment of your choice, I believe. Do Western Digital make the wherewithal to um, just fire stuff into the back of your head on a spike like in the Matrix? Not yet. So I can learn Kung Fu in the blink of an eye? Not yet. Let's do some hardware stuff, and Steve, you had the week off last week, and you conveniently timed that with uh, the delivery of a Sony VW300 and an OLED TV. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was a total coincidence. There was no planning at all involved in that, um, but it was a happy coincidence for me <laughs> that I got to spend a week with, with an OLED telly in the lounge and a 4K projector in the home cinema. Well, I mean, we've, we've talked about OLED a lot in the in the past uh, and quite recently is too actually because I was at LG uh, only a couple of months ago it's awesome it, the picture quality is stunning uh, you know there's no question OLED's the future if more people were prepared to make them or maybe if LG could just ship them out cheaply enough which I've got to say since you asked me that question this morning Phil this I thought this TV was retailing for like 3999 I think is what its list price is but it's already available in Curry's for £1,999 so for a 55 inch full HD OLED TV with WebOS um, curved screen, newsstand. It, I'm thinking, quite tempting, actually, because <laughs> I, I tell you, for a week of this TV, I haven't once thought about you know the Kuro or anything like that. It's, it's been a fantastic picture all around. Uh, you know, stunning to look at. Uh, watching things like Life Story, um, you know, the, the latest Attenborough documentary series on BBC One on Thursday nights, which has got some truly stunning photography in it. Um, just look absolutely gorgeous on this TV. Okay, I'm going to throw two questions at you because uh, mm. this is how this thing works, right? Um, it's 1080 only, so it's old-fashioned. Yep. And it's 1080p, and if you can find some 4K content to watch on it other than two things on Netflix, I'll give you a medal. 
<laughs> and uh, the other one is obviously OLED. Um, it's sample and hold technology, uh, same as LCD. Uh, so, what's it like motion wise? Well, I think motion's fine, great on it. I mean, it's certainly watching Blu rays, motion's fantastic. I've watched um, the England game in the week on it and um, some of the England games. Yeah, there wasn't much motion it. in that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I watched a bit of the England game. <laughs> the ones in Blu <laughs> and you know, I don't know why people uh, you know moan about motion handling. It's I think the motion handling on it is great. Um, I can't say that I sat there and thought, oh, that doesn't look, doesn't look as good as the Kuro, for example, which is the normal TV that's up there. At no point did I ever think that motion doesn't look right. So I think there's there's, lots of, there's people out there that seem to be utterly obsessed with motion handling and judder and things like this. And maybe they're seeing something I'm and, not. And, maybe uh, their and, eyes are more sensitive to it. Or, but you know, there's no way I'm putting on. Um, True Motion, or whatever it's called, an old True Motion, um, to smooth things out. It just doesn't need it. And maybe you know, and there are people that are susceptible. Like Mark, for example, is susceptible to flicker on things like 3D, right, Mark? Yeah, it makes it difficult for you to wear. Actually flicker and stuttering, stuttering. This I really pick up on. Well, I, I get I get rainbow effect on plasma TVs. Mm, yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, I'm you know on camera pans. You know, you, if you get judder, I'll pick that up really quickly. But we I haven't had any problems like that. So it's yeah, I mean. People always want something to moan about. I think uh, £1,999 for this TV, they are basically giving it away. <laughs> That's why forums exist, Steve, so people can moan. I would more than happily take that TV and you know sell the Kuro. Yeah, as, as with Full HD, you know, it's a 55-inch, I don't, you know, you're not going to get any real benefit from watching 4K on a 55-inch TV. Uh, you know, 4K p- projection, yeah, absolutely. I was watching some 4K stuff in the cinema, um, on a media driver that um, media drive that um, Sony sent with the projector itself, and that looked absolutely stunning. You know, you think, God, yeah, this is incredible. But on a 55-inch TV, it's pointless. So, and you're not going to have much in the way of 4K content for at least another couple of years. So, really, for two grand less than just under two grand, full HD OLED, bring it on. Is that any better than the last one? Was it pretty much? I just think it's not really. I think it's pretty much the same telly, to be honest, Mark. Um, and different stand, which I prefer. I prefer the new stand. It looks gorgeous. Um, <laughs> obviously, got WebOS, which is great, and um, a little bit more. Um, so, I, I maybe a bit bit more processing power in there than perhaps the earlier version. Um, but other, otherwise, I'm, I'm willing to bet it's pretty much the same TV. Yeah. So That's it's still so curved cheap. then. Oh yeah, yes, it's curved. Yeah. Although I've got to say, it's funny. Um, it's less of you know when you look at some of the uh, Samsung curved TVs because the stand is also curved, it makes it seem more curved. Whereas this is, I think, the same amount of curvature as the Samsung TVs, but um, given the shape of the stand, yeah, it's it doesn't look as noticeably curved actually. And in fact, you totally forget about it after you know a few hours if you're looking straight on. Yeah, which I usually am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's the OLED TV. You've got the projector there. Well, let's not spoil the review by. Uh, going into it in too much detail, but uh, we saw this at IFA. Um, really impressive, even though they've dropped the dynamic iris, and a lot of people I've seen on the forums um, discussing that and and will it affect it and and so on. Well, I've got to say, I thought it looked pretty good for the price point in terms of black levels and contrast. It looked all right without a dynamic iris on it, and normally I would switch a dynamic iris off anyway. Yeah, me too. I, I wouldn't use dynamic iris personally, obviously, other than for testing purposes. Uh, the black levels on this projector are very good. Okay, not quite JPC levels. It's native 4K. It's got decent blacks. Very natural picture in reference mode. Um, even before calibration, it's you know it's got a lovely natural looking picture. Um, I think reality creation works really well with the 4K panel. Uh, and it squeezes every last detail out of the original 1080p. In, in most cases, apart from when I was actually watching some 4K content. Um, I've watched. 
quite a lot of stuff last week on it and uh, i've got to say i thought it was absolutely spectacular um for 5800 quid and it's a real you know i mean I know, I know it sounds like a strange thing to say but for me i think that's a bit of a bargain i guess the, the only thing that is missing that could have been there was the manual iris control yeah it doesn't doesn't have a manual iris control but again even so effectively it's always fully open um so you're getting a very bright image on what is it I mean, this was a brand new projector with nothing no zero hours on the bulb when it arrived so it's very bright um but it still had good blacks you know i mean i was know how the blacks look on the jvc for example so i, I had a direct comparison with that and uh, I, I thought it was a really stellar performance from that projector i think sony are getting really good at making projectors at the moment and and whether or not you, you know how they're hitting some of these price points is another issue entirely but certainly in terms of performance you can't fault it um and the only thing I would have, I missed personally that's not on this one that is on the VW500 is it doesn't have a lens memory feature. Um, but uh, otherwise, absolutely stellar performance. So would you go for the VW300 or the X500? I'd go for the VW300. Really? Okay. Mm. Even though you just said about the OLED stuff that there's no 4K material in blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, but I did also say that if you're going to go 4K projections the way, Right, okay. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some music. This one is probably not going to be up uh, Edge Street here because we're going to talk about Apple and Beats. Uh, well, I'm the one that suggested it for the podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, knock yourself out then, Ed. Uh, well, this is a big deal. Um, not necessarily for the same reasons that the Tidal service that I just reviewed is a big deal. I mean, that's, that's pushing uh, a quality angle. This is um, the decision that App, well, the, the claim that Apple is going to use the Beats Music Service with a, um, a little bit of uh, rebranding here and rebranding there to uh, essentially push their equivalent of an on-demand service using the iTunes library. Um, and essentially, uh, as 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 with any U2 album, the the idea is that it will simply appear automatically in an upcoming software update. And, and just go from there. I'm sure that uh, there will be ways and means of making this intrinsically disappointing. Um, that seems to be sort of the the, the, uh, the, the the way that software updates, and I don't want to single out Apple here, I would say software updates for me full stop over the last six months have not rendered any improvements to how things work, but they have generally managed to screw something up royally. So we'll see if that functions. Um, the, the, the kicker here is ultimately if it goes on to every single iOS device and it does have access to the full iTunes catalog, which let's face it has licensed things that most other on-demand services cannot, that promises to shake up the category quite significantly. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously at the moment there are huge gaps in this, like, pricing and, and other other things that allow, and, and what sort of quality it's going to stream in that would allow us to make a more objective judgment but i i think it's worth flagging up simply because it's going to be very 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 accessible to a large number of people um and quite what effect uh the arrival of a, of a player this big in the on-demand music service category is going to have um is it, it's going to be significant i suspect so what is beats music streaming service then well as I understand it, it is what it says on the tin. Um, it's been something that pre prior to the takeover of Beats by Apple or merger or however you want to phrase it, it was a completely separate on a separate service. 
and I'm not 100% sure it was actually available in the UK. Um, that's uh, something that I'm afraid I neglected to check whilst I was, you know, busy depooing my son. Um, but essentially, the I think the idea here is that um, this is going to be a much wider rollout. Some rebranding will occur. It won't necessarily come in under the Beats label, but uh, it may be just a quick quick way of, of, of bolting an on-demand portal onto the iTunes library and then, as I say, making it available via update to all Apple devices. We'll see how that goes. I suppose it's a bit like Google and YouTube. You know, everything, every Google device comes preloaded with YouTube. and Yes. Obviously, it's become the de facto video source. And it's going to, every Apple device has come with this. It's going to make a <clears> huge impact, like you say. Yeah, I mean, it follows on... Uh, as pointed out that um, actual sales of music on the iTunes store have been declining in recent months. So if you go, if, if the switch is to people just renting access to it, Apple do have to respond. Um, And my suggestion is that they have to do it fairly well, because if we ignore Tidal and, and Cobas and, and the and the lossless streaming services as being slightly different, pushing to a different clientele. Spotify um, and Deezer and companies like that, their tablet and iPhone and iPod integration is really, really, really good. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure that Apple will have a couple of advantages, being as they are Apple. But nonetheless, they are going to have to be pretty slick from the off uh, the outset to, to 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 be to be worth switching over to. Was there any suggestion about? So I've not a chance to read this. A suggestion about a non-ad-free uh, ad services and non-ad services. Nothing as yet. Uh, there is a Financial Times article which periodically requires me to log in. So hang on a second, will it? So, um, I mean, to be fair, I need to stress that um, yeah, Apple declined to comment. So there's no there's no firm firm detailing. And the other thing is that I mean, this follows on when Apple uh, merged with Beats. The, the other thing that was being claimed is that um, the logical thing for Apple to have done was to start making Beats headphones which don't have a three and a half mil jack on them. They've got a lightning connector. Because if you send audio via lightning, which is, uh, as you know, it's very easy to do, um, you can then build in much superior call integration, notification integration, volume, dynamic EQ. You can do all manner of things that would basically, it would give you a, a completed a, a, a partnership, which you, you just couldn't match with an, a, a third-party pair of earphones and headphones. So, yeah, that would be be potentially worth, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, but obviously nothing's come of that yet. So this could all be, you know, pissing in the wind, but equally with sales on the slide, I think Apple have to do something. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see how this moves forward. And uh, wrapping up on hardware, uh, Black Friday is this Friday. Uh, was always an American thing. Um, is now, like everything else, is American, has invaded this country, uh, as has Cyber Monday. So what's next? Do we start Thanksgiving? Grey Thursday. You forgot Grey Thursday, which becomes... Which is, I think, is that late, a thing? What, what the hell yeah, is Grey Thursday? Yeah, th- it's the thing. Late on, late on Thanksgiving night, oh, the retailers opened the Black Friday deals at about 10pm, so it's Grey Thursday for a couple of hours. <laughs> and then into Black Friday, and then Cyber Monday after. I noticed this weekend in the in the, you know the, the supplementary sections of the Sun Saturday and Sunday papers there was like recipes for Thanksgiving and this sort of stuff, and I did feel like saying, but... <laughs> We're not American. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving, and we're never going to. I guess you got Amazon to blame, haven't we? Really, since they've become yeah. popular in this country, they've kind of sneaked Black Friday in through the back door. 
I guess it's a good thing if you want if you if you've got some Christmas presents to buy and you, and you see something you particularly think's a good bit, a good deal. But I don't know. You look at the the kind of level that they do it in the states, and then what they're kind of trying to put in over here. It really is the kind of poor relation. Yeah, well, people get killed in the states. Black Friday. I know, but <laughs> I wouldn't mind that if I got a good TV. You know, yeah, it, a good bargain. Yeah. But the stuff that over here, you know, they they kind of you know publicise it. There'll be you know kind of lightning deals and this kind of thing, and it's usually kind of you know five pound off something that you can pick up as a like a loss leader in a supermarket or something. You know, it, it really is a lot of the stuff is is quite poor. You know, we we we've got the marketing terms, but we don't have the same level of sales anywhere near. Yeah, I, I, they always show the same footage every year, and and it's always of the the eighties when it was. Um what was the horrible looking toys? What were they called again? The um, cabbage, patch. cabbage Patch Kids, that's it. And they show the footage of, of the Black Friday opening for that because that was the big present that year or whatever. And you see these middle-aged women fist fighting yeah. <laughs> and knocking each other out over these toys. It's unbelievable. You think, about well, it's just a toy. By the way, if anyone listening can get, can get hold of a Stretchkin unicorn, please contact me. <laughs> <laughs> On that subject, I've got this to look forward to. For thirteen ninety nine RRP, and it's on Amazon for about sixty quid at the minute. Of course, well, my daughter's asked for one. Stretchkin unicorn. Mm. It's crap as well. I wouldn't mind. It's just a toy. You stretch. Is it? Oh, well, like like the kind of Mister Stretch doll. Yeah, thing. yeah. Well, they were good, obviously, because they were wrestlers. This is a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> stretch Armstrong. You think? Yeah. It's not. It's like that, but a, a unicorn. Uh, I'll never beat Tracy Island. No, Tracy Island was. I mean, it, I mean, obviously, this this problem would be solved if Blue Peter suddenly tells you how to make one, wouldn't it? So, uh... are we now reminiscing on toys from yesteryear? Why not? Well, I'll be honest. I preferred um, the battle scarred He Man figures. If anyone remembers them, what, what do you mean battle scarred? They they had a little kind of roll in their chest, which which had you could kind of spin it round, so you'd kind of spin it round so it looked like their armour was normal, then you'd hit them with a sword and then it would just kind of, yeah, then the spring would spin it round and then it would have a big scar on it. I think I was I think I think was a bit old when by the time yeah. He-Man came around. I, I was into BMX and by then, I think. On the subject of things which span around, do you remember that there were like matchbox-sized cars and they had rotating panels so they, if you, it would spin, the door would, would rotate on its axis so it would then spin around to show a dent or a damage thing or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's basically the same principle. They're, yeah, well, they're worth a fortune. Have you seen how much they go for? Because the the, the thing is, uh, the undamaged door is constant was constantly under sp- sort of sp- tension and spring loading. And the moment the car had, had an impact, as designed, the door switched over. So if you've got one which basically has had to have been stored in a disassembled condition, so so that it, it hasn't actually worn out its springing, they're worth a, they're worth a lot of money. Yeah, but you see, everybody says that you know, or, you know, all the Star Wars toys that I had as a kid and all that. It'd be worth a fortune, yeah. But I was a kid and I played with them and I took them out of the boxes. Yeah. I, you know, what kind of child with us would sit with with toys in boxes and box them up, thinking these are going to be worth a fortune? Well, thank well, you very much for your Christmas presents, Mother, but I shall be putting these away. <laughs> they will appreciate in value. Yeah, well, the thing is, I had two brothers that I had to share everything with as well, so everything got knackered within oh, a month after Christmas. Everything was broken. Well, in my day, Phil, I got a hoop and an orange and some nuts. <laughs> Pizza cold. 1999 was Wither's best Christmas ever. 1899. <laughs> 
uh, but talking about that, I, I, I did see on the Walmart um, on Twitter they had uh, a two feet wide Millennium Falcon for fifty dollars, and a two foot long X wing for fifty odd dollars. Um, and I'm really tempted to buy them. <laughs> you mean for use with the mini- with the little figures or as models of the? Of the- oh, they were proper models with. Uh, yeah, uh, they looked astonishingly good. For the money. Can you send me the link for that, Phil? Because I might be up for the million <laughs> Well, Steve, I was thinking uh, we're going to be in Vegas anyway. We're going to have a car and uh, there's going to be a Walmart somewhere. <laughs> Just take an extra yeah. case. Yeah. I, I did make the Millennium Falcon as a model kit once um, and um, you know, it weathered it and everything. It looked awesome. I lost it when I moved, but. Uh, weathered it? How Come did on. you weather it? Well, you know, when you're painting it, you uh, you know you put sort of dirt and muck, muck, you know, like you basically. Because I had as we all know, the... space is absolutely full of dirt. <laughs> well, landing on planets is. Um, no, I had photographs of the actual model from the film from Star Wars, and and I I used that as a guide to, from when I painted it. It was the best three weeks of Withers' life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I once stuck a match to Book Rogers's face. Why? <laughs> well, but the, the real, yeah, but the real actor. Burn, 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 no, burn, give him. Like, Everyone used to do that with you action figures. <laughs> it wasn't him in person. It was the it was the action figure. It did give me a realistic battle look. Did you have the uh, um, the Wilma Deering action figure? Because I tell you, that was my first crush. Her, well, her and the bonnet, bonnet woman. Um, no, I didn't. Yeah, Erin Gray. I don't want to hear about Deering. how you weathered that action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, moving on to games news, and Mark gives his impression of GTA V, especially the new the FPS feature. Yeah, um, GTA V re-release. It's gone straight in number one in the games charts, um, UK's best-selling game ever. So you know, kind of, you can either take that as it's a fantastic game and and people just want to play it on new consoles, or that there's a slight dearth of of Great games on the new consoles. Either way, um, it's added something something new in the first person mode. Um, it's it takes a little bit of a while to get used to. Um, you can obviously see the the it's been spruced up. You've got better textures. There's a lot been made about the foliage um, and reflections on surfaces and stuff like that. Um, it was definitely why I was playing Grand Theft Auto. It was always about the foliage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But well, it, it does make kind of a, a nice little difference. It, it's 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 all the little finer details that kind of come together. Um, some depth of field effects and the like, um, more sophisticated anti-aliasing. But it, it's yeah, I think most people have kind of jumped into this more for the fact that you know there's this first-person mode. Um, it it's it's a slightly weird um, feeling if if you've obviously played the game before, which most people will have done. Um, to be seeing things from that from that point of view, um, you can widen. The... Sorry, Mark, is it easy to switch between the two, between first yeah. and third person? Yeah. Um, well, I'm playing it on the on the PS4, and it's just a little um, you know touchpad on the front. You just click that, and then that cycles through the camera modes, and it's it's quite good simply because you can have independent camera modes for when you're on foot and from way, for when you're driving because one works. Be. Yeah, one works and the other really doesn't. Um, you can widen the field of view when you're walking, um, but it's far too narrow for driving. I, you, you can only really see through the windscreen. You can't see anything, no real peripheral vision, which just means that you get 
kind of broadsided far too many times trying to go through crossings. Um, like playing GTA 3 the first time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it just it just seems a little bit weird. So, you know, it, it's always been the case of, you know, for realistic, you'd, you'd want the kind of camera, people would put it right behind the car. But ultimately, if, if you want the kind of best view, you want the kind of as wide a view as possible and up up a bit higher. Um, yeah, I'm getting on with it. I haven't had that much time with it thus far, but it definitely seems like it, it's a bit more kind of visceral and shocking. There's something about the, the first-person view. I'd always assumed that it was, you know, perhaps it'd be the next logical step for the series, you know, like the one from going from top-down 2D to 2 3D. But there's, there's something weird about it. There's something that kind of makes it, as I say, just that bit more shocking, you know, kind of stamping on someone's head. Just just now it feels wrong. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, I, I suppose it's because you don't have that distance to the character. You know, uh, I'll be interested to know whether you know Rockstar are planning on using this going forward um, for any kind of further games in the series because I, I do think it, in a strange way it kind of highlights that you do need a certain amount, a certain level of detachment from what's going on on screen for kind of Rockstar's violent satire to work, which when you put right there and you're staring down the barrel of a gun and then you, you kind of shoot some poor shop assistant just to kind of get an extra $50 or something, it yeah, as I say, it feels a bit more wrong. It feels a bit more of a heinous crime than it otherwise was. Well, frankly, I wasn't going to bother buying it, but you just sold me on it. I'm going to go and get it today. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, you know, it, that kind of thing, it does sell. And that, that's kind of the appeal of the series. It's, it's doing something wrong that you know that is obviously wrong. And so, you know, you kind of want to jump into that. What's at the cinema, Steve? The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, part one. Um, basically, uh, Harry Potter's got a lot to answer for, really making the last book into two films because it's just made every studio in the world massively greedy now thinking like no we'd have to make one film we can make two or in the case of, Lord, of um the hobbit we'll make three films three three hour films out of a 300 page kids book yeah that's going to be a good idea um so needless to say the last book in the um hunger games trilogy uh mocking jay is going to be two is now two films the first part of which came out on friday and uh, it feels like exactly what it is, all build up and no payoff. Basically, the first half of a book where you, you build up, you know, you set your characters in their places and you, and you, and you build up attention and then you go into the second half of the book and all the action kicks off. Well, this film basically ends when it starts to get interesting. Um, Kaz's reviews already up, went up on Friday, I think it was. And uh, he's bang on the money. Um, you know, you, you just it makes you feel, you feel used. You know, you feel like, well, you're just squeezing me for more cash trying to make something that could have been a really good t- you know single film into two unnecessary films did, did you need um, to go home and have a shower afterwards yeah i did a little bit actually and uh you know you kind of and i'm not quite sure the cast didn't feel i mean presumably they were getting paid so they were slightly less pissed off than i was but um you know they didn't you didn't feel like they were really putting much effort in it's like you know well we all know we're just killing two hours until we get to the good stuff so you know it's because the film's basically um about propaganda you know you could say that's an interesting subject to talk about but basically what it involves lots of people walking around corridors and whispering in hushed tones to each other um and you're sitting there thinking god do something shoot something kill somebody blow something up anything uh but no no they're not until the very end at least um it, it was uh, it, 
you know, you kind of think, well, it's you've, you've greed, just given up. You've just given up, haven't you? I've given up. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> I mean, and, and I think it, the annoying thing, and this, I know Kaz feels the same way, is I really like the Hunger Games, and I thought Catching Fire was really good. So this is just such a disappointment. So basically, don't bother going to see it at the cinema. Get it on Blu-ray next year when it comes out, and then watch that before you go and see the second part. Um, Steve, Blu-ray's dead. We declared it last week. Yeah, when I you know were you did. Didn't you? Yeah, well, so, sorry, right, it'll be on Netflix. It'll be on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Netflix. Watch it on Netflix for nothing and then go and see the second part. Um, uh, it wouldn't be so bad if the second part was coming out in, say, July, like they did with the Potter film, but it's not going out until next November. So you've got to wait a whole year to find out how it ends. Or you could read the book, I suppose. But uh, I don't really want to read the book. They're doing the same thing with um, Divergent, or as my girlfriend keeps calling it Detergent. Um, then there's Insurgent, and then there's a third book, and that's going to be two films as well because they can't, you know, they've got to squeeze a bit more money out of it. You've got The Hobbit coming out. Um, uh, in two weeks' time, you know, they'd film for that. I'm uh, now up to date on that, by the way. Yep, yeah, oh, well, done. well done. So that's six hours of your life you're not going to get back. <laughs> well, it was in the extended versions. I watched it on Netflix on a projector. It was actually really quite good quality, so I'm up to date anyway. <laughs> I think the really sad thing about Mockingjay film is that, you know, it's, it's um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's last performance. I don't know, hopefully he shot his stuff for the second film. But, um, you know, you kind of, even he felt like he was just treading water. You know, he was really good in Catching Fire, but here you kind of feel like he's just, you know, just, they're just turning up, going through the motions, taking the check and then sorting off. Uh, so don't give them any more of your money. Um, just watch it on for free on a streaming service, probably Netflix. <laughs> I think Kaz gave it 6 out of 10. That's been generous. Five. Okay. Uh, right, Blu-ray is released next week. Uh, in between us two, Planes 2, Fire and Rescue and Hercules. Oh, sounds like a cracking bunch of discs to pick up there, Steve. Well, in between us two, I saw it at cinema, and I thought it was terrible, so don't watch that. Although it's made a boatload of money at the cinema. Um, I think it's the most successful film in the UK so far this year. So, uh, there you go. But I thought it was just a major disappointment. Uh, I thought the first movie was really good. I thought the second one was a big disappointment. Planes 2, Fire and Rescue, <laughs> I've not seen. Um, so, if you've got kids, maybe that'll be fine. Mark. Um, no, Hercules. Sorry? It's rubbish, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> It's rubbish. There you go. That's Mark's uh, quick, quick review. And Hercules, even though it stars The Rock, uh, I have not seen it because uh, it looked crap in the trailers. Okay, so I was about to go to the cinema, believe it or not. And I'm trying to remember the last time I did go to the cinema. I did think you go it, and see it to Stella? No, I didn't because you told me not to. No, so. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I was about to go to the cinema. But one of the things in the back of my mind keeps putting me off going to the cinema is the bloody price of the tickets especially if you want to go and see an IMAX film uh, we've got an audience at IMAX it's what 10 minutes away from me here it's 16 pounds to go and watch a film which um, is quite literally more than the blu-ray will cost you yeah so why would you go to the cinema um, and spend that type of money to see a film unless it's something you're absolutely dying to see I mean I will go and pay that to see Star Wars <laughs> no question not least um, because that will further add to the disappointment when you realise how <laughs> it is yeah. it's a disappointing film they further shit on your childhood and you paid 16 quid to see it <laughs> yeah but it, I think it is a bit of a problem and it, it was highlighted last week uh, by the guy who heads up Lionsgate UK who suggested that uh, ticket pricing needs to change to reflect the cost of the film production. So, um, Interstellar, if it costs two hundred million, um, then you pay seventeen quid to see it. Um, if it's a little small British independent film that costs six million, you pay six quid to go and see it. Well, is it, is it going to attract people to go and see the little independent film at six quid, or are they just going to pay seventeen quid anyway to see the blockbuster? 
I think they should make people pay more money to see the really shit films. So like Transformers, you just have to pay £100 to go and see that crap. <laughs> I don't know, Phil. It's, it's, cinema's uh, it's struggling. Uh, I mean, it goes through these phases. And again, it's suffering from competition from things like TV, streaming services, Blu-ray, DVD. You know, people are watching a lot more stuff at home. It's easy to access content. You know, uh, there's, there's so many different devices you can watch the content on. And that's the reason why filmmakers are now using things like IMAX or Dolby Atmos or whatever it is to try and make going to the cinema, uh, you know, uh, a big event experience to make it yeah. work, justify the cost. Fine. Okay. And, and I can, I guess, you know, you could say, you know, if, if you want people to go and see a small budget independent, I mean, like, I mean this week I'm going to go and see the imitation game, which I'm quite looking forward to. And also Mr. Turner, which, um, uh, I'm really looking forward to as well, which is my least new film about the, the artist Turner with, um, Tim, Timothy Spall, apparently giving a fantastic performance, you know, not a massive budget movie. Maybe you want to generate, get people to go in and see that more. And, and, and the cost is one of the reasons that people aren't going to see smaller budget British made films at the, at the cinema rather than just waiting for it to turn up on TV or, or on a streaming service. Then that one might be a good thing. The problem the cinema's got, certainly in this country, is they're making a problem for themselves because they charge so much money for you to go. I mean, £16 to go and see an IMAX film is insane when you can literally buy it for less on Blu ray or DVD when it comes out. Uh, or watch it on you know, Netflix. So yes, yeah. It may not be quite the same experience with a huge screen and this sort of stuff. And if you're in any forums, man, but you've got a, a projector or you've got a really big screen TV and you've got a sound system that's probably better than any of the West End cinemas in London, so why are you going to bother going? And I think the thing that keeps coming back to my mind, um, the more I think about this question, I don't know if it, it it's the same for you guys or not, but um, the best cinema experiences i have had have been where the presentation has been absolutely spot on and probably the best i've been to was in la um at the cinerama um and i went to see avatar no i didn't enjoy the film but it was the presentation it was the fact that when you sat down to watch the film um you got to choose the seats that you wanted to sit in within the theater um, they had uh, they'd worked out which seats were the best if you, if sound quality was a big thing for you and all the rest of it. So they had like their golden seats and that kind of thing. Um, it was fifteen dollars, but there was no adverts. How it's, much was yeah. their pick and mix? Um, it, it was reasonable. It wasn't mm-hmm. over the top. Um, they had a bar where um, I don't drink alcohol, but I drink soft drinks, and sometimes the soft drinks are more expensive than alcohol. Soft drinks, it was free refill, so you just paid the once and and refilled it. Um, but there was no adverts before the film, and the thing was that somebody from the cinema came up to the front of the sc- screen um, before the film started and gave a quick introduction. You know, thank you for coming along, blah 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 blah. Um, here's the film, and the film started straight away. None of this sitting through hours of commercials and adverts and all the rest of it, and then for the film to be projected on the ceiling, which has happened before, or the wrong aspect ratio, which mm-hmm. has happened before to the me. sound going. Or the sound keeps going, um, or, you know, 101 issues. This thing, presentation was spot on, and it was proper theatre. You know what I mean? It was it was properly done. And I think that's where we're missing out. In, in the days gone by, I would go to see a film, I'd go and see a film just to see a trailer. I'd done that in the past. <laughs> the ticket price, go and see the trailer. Oh, I may as well watch a film while I'm here. Um, I've been in when I've had the big Dolby Digital trailers running or the THX trailers, and, and, and it all adds to the the theatrical experience, you know, how the film is presented. And 
nowadays, you know, you go in, there's mobile phones switched on everywhere, people kicking the back of your seats, crunching on popcorn and all the rest of it. I want to commit murder when I go to the cinema now. Well, I don't mean to be... I, I know I'm I'm supposed to be the person that complains at everything here. I need to put two two minor minor spanners into the works that cinemas are too expensive. Firstly, most importantly, as Steve demonstrates week in week out, if you do go to the cinema a lot, get an unlimited pass. If you go more than twice a month, it pays for itself. That's assuming you've got a Cineworld near you. I mean, it's only Cineworld that I think that does an unlimited pass. Is it? Well, yeah, okay, that, fair but yeah, that is spectacular. Nonetheless, they are spread out. So the nearest one to me, Ed, is 30 miles away. I'm not yeah, traveling. you live in the third world. That's not my problem. Down here in the south, we've got millions of them. That's why everyone that, is in the absolutely south. right, Ed. I would not be going to cinema so many times a week if it wasn't fact I've got an unlimited card. And it's £16.90 a month. If you've got a Cineworld near you or near enough. That's good value because you only have to go twice in a month to, for it to start paying for itself. And once you go more than that, basically you're seeing the films for nothing. So that's good value. Before the I got that card, I didn't go to the cinema very often unless it was a big event movie that I really wanted to see on a big screen. Because, you know, I've got a better setup at home, frankly. And then the cheaper. second part of that is, yes, undoubtedly, the cinema is quite a lot of money. It is, however, sadly, less money than most other out-of-house activities that last the same amount of time. If you want to sit in a pub quietly, chatting to a mate, doing alternative alternate rounds, you'll probably spend more than 16 quid. If you want to go out for a meal, unless your horizons begin and end at Kentucky Fried Chicken, you're going to spend more than 16 quid. If you want to go and see a sporting team, unless, again, they are dreadful, you're going to spend more than 16 quid. What we are looking at here is the thin end of pretty much every activity costing you a fortune. And then on top of that, you've got the cost of going to and from it in the first place. I don't see why we're particularly singling out cinemas here. Everything is expensive. Because well, the reason I uh, was picking up, picking on, on cinema costs was because I happened to read an article at the weekend uh, in The Guardian, where uh, somebody, one of the journalists, had gone to see a movie in Dublin, at, at the point in Dublin. And it was a midweek screening, but he worked out it cost him £4.60 to go to the see that, 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 that screening, £4.60. And if he'd gone to his local cinema for the same day, at the same time, for the same film, it would have cost him over eight quid. Then he started looking into costs of going into, so uh, a West End, you know, Leicester Square cinema, like the Odeon or the Empire, £17.90 to go to cinema there or if it wants to go and see it in IMAX it's local screen 16 quid if you go to a cinema in central Paris on the Champs-Elysees you will pay equivalent of £9.40 to go and see the same film if you go to Times Square in New York um, which you know pretty expensive real estate too you can't just say it's because you know central London is really expensive because so is central New York £12.75 to go and see the same film Berlin central Berlin £6.60 to see the same film and Oslo, you know, and given the Scandinavian countries are generally regarded as being expensive places to live because they have a lot of tax, but they also get paid a lot more money, £11.30. So it just goes to show you that we are being royally ripped off in this country on lots of levels, not just cinemas. I know it applies to just about everything, but that particularly brings home. And not just that, if you showed trade adverts before a screening in the, in the US, feel like you were just saying, there would be a f***ing riot. There, there would be. The Americans, you'd, you'd be Americans are quite happy to yeah. watch free television and put up with adverts because it is free. But if you just paid 10 quid to get into a screening, why the f*** am I sitting through adverts? I paid to sit here. I find that objectionable every time I go to the cinema. I say, why am I watching adverts? I don't mind watching trailers for films that are coming up, fine. 
But adverts, well, I've just paid to be in here, is unacceptable, in my opinion. If you did that in America, there would be a riot. And that's why they don't show adverts before films and screen because you've paid to sit there i've paid money why am i watching adverts so i'm paying more money than anybody else i'm sitting through adverts and i'm getting sold loads of shit at the same time and also if you happen to come late in the screening or you know it's heavily booked you could be right on the edge in what are generally referred to as the full house seats where you can see shaggle and hear shaggle and you're still paying 17 pound 90 now, they should at least tier the prices based upon what kind of angle you're looking at the screen from. It's one thing if you're in a sweet spot, which is where I always, always sit, or I refuse to go to the cinema. I'm at F12 and F13 in my local flicks. If I'm not in one of those two seats, I ain't going. But, you know, if you're sat on the edge, right at the very front... Do you mark your territory? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a little name on the back of the seat now. <laughs> but, you know, all these things, it's just infuriating. And they wonder why people stop going to the cinema. Well, because you're ripping us off. That's well, fine. people are stopping going to the cinema. And that that's a big, big problem if you are a cinema chain and you're charging these type of, type of uh, money for people to go and see films. And if you are budgeting films at 200 million and 300 million, it's all going to come crashing down at some point because people are going to stop going. I've stopped going, unless it's a big film. And I have some of the best facilities outside of London, probably, like 10 minutes away. It was only built a couple of years ago. Probably one of the best facilities outside of London. I couldn't care less. Yeah, well, it's, it's a bit different for me because I, 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 any time I go to the cinema, it's always with the kids now. To, I never even think of going outside the house um, to watch a movie. You, you never go outside <laughs> the house. <laughs> to <laughs> pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, that, that thing confused me before when Ed was on about other things to do outside the house. What are you talking about? No, he's right in, in that respect, though, because anything you do with the family, a family event, will cost you upwards of, you know, it's 20 quid minimum for an hour or two. Um, <laughs> but my local cinema is not too badly priced. It's, a, it's an independent, and it costs, I think, £21, and that's the four of us in with a bag of sweets. So it, it, it's not too bad. But if we had to travel up to Manchester or, or to the bigger cinemas, it would be, you know, be quite a considerable outlay. Plus, you've got to factor on travel and probably a meal and drinks and, and stuff on top. So it does become... You know, incredibly expensive. I say, if we if we went up to the Cine World in Didsbury, it would probably cost us the best part of thirty five quid just for the for the movie, uh, another forty quid for the food, uh, and a bit of petrol on top. We could, you know, go and buy a Rocky for that and just, just sit back and watch Netflix. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's 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 an expensive it's an expensive too. Um, uh, there's not enough of the cinema coming out that appeals to me to even justify me thinking about hopping on a train to Manchester and going to the print works, which is probably be the best cinema close to me. Um, so no, well, you it, don't want to watch my interest. Turn a, yeah, I do turn want to, book see into two, turn a do, book into two movies. You don't need. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right, I mean, Milton Keynes, I think for the cinema world, it works out as about eight quid. Uh, and you get your parking back. If you present the ticket stub, when you buy the ticket, which is quite handy as well. So I, again, I don't think that's unreasonable. Do you get cost. your money back if it's transformers? Pass. Um, <laughs> You do get your money back if it's the baby, the mother and baby showing, and they show babies dying. You do get, you do get your money back. You mean uh, was it Labor uh, Day or whatever? Labor Day, yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing that kind of annoyed me last time I went to the cinema was no one checked my ticket. <laughs> if so you didn't bother buying one if you needn't. No, but well, the problem was it's got the machines outside where you can kind of book the ticket and you can, you know, buy it, and then you go in, and then there was no one on the door just annoyed me that i paid for it is that it yeah that's it basically uh, my my issue though it probably goes back to the, the the previews that kind of thing the adverts 
which is I, I've got to say, I, I, if I get there early, then I feel fatigued by the time the kind of the film started. I kind of start to feel that little bit tetchy. You know, once you get kind of an hour into the film, you've been there for ninety minutes, and you kind of if if it's if it's slow going or everything, then just seems to kind of vaguely annoy me. You know, I'd like to be able to know the film starting exactly at this time. You know, I can yeah. walk in five minutes. That's it. I you know. I don't need to get acclimatized to it or anything like that. Just drop the lights when it's time and you know I can be checking my phone before then. That's all I want to go you know I just want that kind of 90 minute to 2 hour window where I know that I have to be there and then I'm out. Yeah, that's particularly galling when you've got kids who've got you know shorter attention spans and you know ants in the pants and stuff. It, those adverts 15 20 minutes at the start really. What, what do you mean kids? Kids just having shorter <laughs> attention kids, spans. Yeah. Yes, uh, the, worst, the worst I ever saw was, um, and it was King Kong, which is three hour long, uh, 30 <laughs> minutes of adverts <sighs> before a three hour movie. You mean 30 minutes including the trailers? No, that was 30 minutes of adverts before the trailers. See, the reason that they're doing that is because it's a three hour movie, so they get less showings yeah. per day. Yeah. Uh, so they bump up the advertising space to pay for it. See, I, I think that, yeah, that does end up just kind of having a knock-on effect on how people view the longer films i mean I, I can remember going to see gladiator with a group of friends and coming out and i'd i didn't know that he died i'd i'd, I'd switched off i'd either dozed off or something towards the end because i had no idea what had happened spoiler yeah yeah sorry about that i was gonna watch that tonight <laughs> i come with bad news about oliver reed he is in a new Jurassic Park, though. Another Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah, and Yul Brynner. <laughs> now, that's a film I definitely go and see. Right, I think we're getting a bit silly now, and I think that's a bit time for us to wrap up on this week's podcast. Uh, what are your views? Are you being ripped off at the cinema? Is it the adverts that, that get you goat, like Steve? Is it the price that gets you goat, like Steve? Is it the content <laughs> that gets you goat? like Steve um, then leave your comments under this podcast in the podcast forum and uh, be interesting to see what, what you think uh, are you being ripped off is it too expensive are you, are you better getting the Blu-ray or even Netflix and watching it at home um, is it a better experience so that's it for this week my thanks to Steve Withers my calculations are correct when this baby hits 88 miles an hour you're going to see some serious shit Mark Botwright why don't you make like a tree and get out of here Mark Hodgkinson Jesus, George, it was a wonder I was even born. And Ed Selly. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to pay for it. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV forums for latest reviews, news and video, and why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. <laughs>